Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Alison McKenzie. Alison, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me here, Amy. Well, it seems a long time since we last spoke. It was back in the, the sort of wintry months. We were on Clubhouse together and I just wanted to share why you do what you do after a conversation that we had in a room one day. Oh, it's just fabulous to be here and to yeah be part of your journey with this podcast as well. I really enjoy the show. So just quite a thrill to be here, really. Well, thank you very much. So why don't you share with the audience, what is it you're doing at the moment? So what I'm doing is I work with women over 40. And I seem to find myself in this field of being a bit of a champion for women over 40 who want to create a more joyful, meaningful life that lights up their heart and leaves a legacy that they are proud of. This, this, this was a bit of a pivot that I did um, because I'd had a couple of years off after struggling with um, fatigue and what I then realised was actually menopause. Um, I had been in the, you know, the healing world, well-being world before becoming a business mentor and, and then more laterally a business for good leader. But I realized that when I took the time out, I, I just wanted to really connect into what was really important to me. And the one thing that I think is important to all of us, and that really is that the biggest thing that's important in life is our impact. You know, the impact our decisions have on ourselves, how we touch the lives of others and the planet while we're here. Um, and so that was the start of a new journey for me and um, a bit of a pivot for the business too. So what is it about the impact and firstly on self and then on others and then on a global perspective? How is it that you can fold all of those into to a, a lifestyle and a life choice? I think it's about taking the time to reconnect into what is important to us, you know, this fo focus on why. It's it's really getting clear on what is important to you right now, because as we go through that journey of life, it does change. You know, life events change us as human beings. But when I started to look back at what I had done throughout my life, and I think of the earliest thing when I used to watch um, a TV programme called Why Don't You Just Get Out of Bed and Do Something Useful with Your Saturdays Instead. And I used to love that programme and think, oh, I'd love to do that. And it was all about trying to encourage people to make the most of life. And then fast forward, I'd given up a career as a stockbroker and gone off travelling and came back. And again, I set up one of the UK's first travel clubs. And the intention of that was about making the most of life. It's just at that point, it was for 20-something-year-olds who loved to travel, you know, um, because that's where I was in my life. Um, and then I continued in the investment world for a while, but took redundancy back in 2003. And for me, that was when the meaning piece really was starting to kick in because I'd had a successful career. And I was thinking, well, so now what? You know, I, I want to do something that is more meaningful. It was the time when 
I was beginning to accept I was probably going to be childless um, because my, you know, we hadn't had children um, during my first marriage. And it was coming to that conclusion point, really, um, and getting to that point where I really needed to move on and to accept. And I think for somebody who is involuntarily childless or who becomes that, the meaning question maybe hits us in a slightly different way and happens sooner. Because, you know, certainly I felt there was just this deep hole in my heart that I was trying to fill. Um, So that sort of took me on a bit of a journey. And then the menopause piece is kicked in because it's one thing that's making me feel um, I'm quite angry about the lack of correct information and support out there for women and the injustices that are happening around women of a certain age just now. So, yeah, so that was my journey. Um, the common thread is, has always been or more recently been about making the most of life and finding meaning and how we can make a difference. And I think for me, that big part of that comes from because I felt there was a part of me which I which wasn't being nurtured or used, particularly because I hadn't had children. And how did you fill that deep hole in your heart? For me, it started off with... Um, I remember the day I sat and I I, I just finished a, a contract, um, a training consultancy contract with a, a large global bank where I'd come back from India. And it just felt soulless again. It might have been through my own business, but I just felt like I was selling my soul again. And I left them that day. I just suggested that they maybe didn't need me anymore. I, you know, I'd put everything in place. So it seemed like a reasonable conclusion to the work that I'd done. And my sister said to me that day, you know, what are you going to do then? And I said, I don't know, but I just know it needs to involve something around children because that's a gap for me. It needs to involve something around my skill set because I've always watched news coverage of wars and natural disasters and felt a deep urge to go and help, but not felt I had the skills to do that. Um, And so like many others, you know, I would donate money, but it never felt that I was really making the difference I wanted to make. Um, And the third thing that was a more of a choice was travel. Um, And then three days later, well, the very next day, I got an email in my inbox about a project in Rwanda doing trauma healing with young genocide survivors. Um, And um, they were looking for other people to support the project, which was, um, you know, they'd been invited in by the government over there because there was a a great need for trauma healing in in that country at that point. And so I just reached out and ended up in Rwanda six six weeks later. And I'm saying that it was an incredible experience. I'm saying that now with the wisdom of somebody who's done a lot more work on things like white privilege and white saviorism and how damaging it can be to go off and volunteer nowadays. Um, I was very lucky. I did it with a project where we were filling a critical need after humanitarian tragedy um, where the government was, you know, they were seeking our support which is very different to other forms of volunteering overseas. But still, you know, I've got definitely got different filters on that now. Um, but that was the start for me of filling that hole in my gap, in my, in my <laughs> hole in my gap, hole in my heart. So that was the start of a journey that has taken you to where you are now. And you said it was all about the wisdom. It was easy to sort of, you can look back and see the learnings and with the hindsight and that, that role in the bank had felt soulless and you just knew that it was right. 
Was this a gut instinct or was it a, a thought process that you spent a lot of time sort of ruminating about? I suppose that day in that bank where I walked away from that particular contract was a gut instinct. I mean, I just walked in. It was the first day back after a trip to India where I'd been training lots of people. And I just walked in and the energy, everything just felt heavy. And I just thought, oh, I just cannot do this anymore. That in itself was six years after I'd taken redundancy from the investment world. So it was actually just part of a contract, if you like. It was a big contract that I had. The bigger decision came the previous, you know, the previous time when I took the redundancy, because at that point I'd been the business manager for an investment company and we were shutting down the whole subsidiary and I was involved in those negotiations. So we had about three years notice and I, so I had that time to really be thinking about what do I want to be doing for the rest of my life? And I remember whenever promotion time would come up, I would cringe at the thought of ever becoming the director of an investment company. And I don't say that in any, disrespecting anybody who's in that role because we all have different destinies. But for me, that did not fit with my values. And for me, that was really a bit of a telltale sign. I used to get embarrassed when people said to me, what do you do? Um, I, I, I used to wish I had something that felt I was contributing more to share. Um, so that process, yes, had gone on for a number of years, but that had happened prior to 2003. And what was it that you, you said you were quite angry about the injustices of women of a certain age? What, what, was the, what was the trigger point for you to sort of work into the area now where you're a champion for women? You know, it, I, it, it, it was actually just at the end of last year that I probably became more angry. I'd started to move away from um serving a mixed audience that I did when I was a business mentor. Um, probably about two or three years ago, I was making moves. I was telling my clients behind the scenes. It wasn't necessarily what was happening on the outside from a business perspective, but certainly I was having those conversations with clients. And um, I just felt at that point, there was something that I was missing in terms of it. I was so ill at that point. I mean, there were days that I could barely function. There were days I could barely get out of bed. And I'm used to being a high achiever. I was used to, run, you know, run, run, run all the time and um, probably too much. Um, so this was completely alien to me. But I always think there has to be a solution because I hadn't, there was nothing obviously coming up through clinical tests to say there was anything physically wrong with me. So, you know, having ruled that out, I was like, well, what is it? What is it? And when one of my friends, who's a nutritionist, actually suggested a book to me um, called Oestrogen Matters. And by that point, I'd already started to, through, through lockdown, I was already starting to provide support to women over 40. I'd set up a Facebook group called Women Over 40 Rock in the World. So I was beginning to move into that space. And I read this book, Oestrogen Matters, which completely transformed my views and opened my eyes to the possibility that maybe what I'd been going through wasn't just fatigue, wasn't just that burnout or adrenal fatigue, because I had had a couple of years off trying to heal. And um, I looked into this and realized that this could actually be menopause. And having been somebody, I've been brought up to seek natural solutions to everything. To everything. There was one stage in my early 20s when I was blacking out. I lo actually lost my driving license at the time because medically they thought it was a rare form of epilepsy. And I was diagnosed, I was put onto medicines, which was against everything I believed in. Um, 
I went and saw a, an expert homeopathic medic doctor. Um, I'd been brought up on that, on homeopathy. And um, thankfully, they reversed the diagnosis, said it was a rare form of migraine and actually got me, spoke to my special, my, my um, specialist who reversed the decision and got my driving licence back. So I've always been quite anti what I think of as medicine. So I'd been quite anti even considering that I might have been menopausal, um, that any thought of HRT was just no. And that book helped me see things differently. Um, and I just became curious and started actually looking at the reality. And it, there was a report that came out in 2003 um, by the World Women's Health Initiative, which was misreported but picked up on the press, which really has scared so many millions of women off HRT and even exploring if it's right, because it's not right for everybody. Um, but I think it's made a lot of people very scared about what menopause is. So, you know, I certainly put my head in the sand and um, that opened my eyes and now I see things differently. So having gone from watching Why Don't You Just Get Out of Bed and Do Something Useful Instead to not being able to get out of bed, to then wanting to get out of bed with meaning, what is it that is now getting you out of bed? What's getting me out of bed is knowing I am making a difference to women, you know, um, but to, to women who want to make the most of life, who have had enough of not feeling they're able to, or are actually maybe just at a transition point. Um, and the other thing that really excites me, probably the thing that excites me the most, but it's more of a passion project now, is that I lead groups of women who raise funds to um, sponsor schools in Asia. So we we are building schools made of <laughs> recycled plastic that is turned into almost like big Lego blocks. So in doing that, we're cleaning the oceans, we're cleaning the islands, we're providing local jobs, and we're building these wonderful earthquake-resistant plastic schools that children won't be scared to go into. So that's the connection, again, around that children and really feeling like I'm making a difference because these are... Um, we're part of a project of over 200 schools that were destroyed in the Lombok earthquake in 2000 and um, I want to say 2015. But I've also been speaking to somebody about a Nepalese earthquake <laughs> recently. So it might be 2018 for Lombok. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the schools were destroyed. So we're part of, an, again, another humanitarian project. And that that really, really excites me because, again, that brings together the 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 usefulness, but doing it in a way which is respectful of local cultures. We're providing the money rather than there's no volunteering happening. There's none of that going on. Um, and looking at ways that we can be um, responsible global citizens, really supporting others who need the help right now. And uh, there's a couple of things I want to explain. Why would the children be scared of going into school? Because when the earthquakes happened, so many of them were in schools. And I mean, there were a lot of lives lost as well, you know, and these are in, most of these were up in the north of Lombok in very, very remote communities. So they have actually rebuilt some schools using brick structures, but the children are too scared to go in. But what happens with these Lego structures is amazing. If you think about just, you know, toy Lego, there's, there's the gap between the bricks. So there's a little bit of flex. Um, within the buildings and and actually we're our school's the second in the world built with this technology 
And the, the local governments in, across Asia, they're looking at how you can use these, the same technology to replace homes destroyed in earthquakes. So it's, it's part of a really exciting project. That's amazing. And, and the other one was around that there's no volunteering involved. What does that mean? So that was my, that's my reference, I suppose, to um, my views now on anybody who is white or passes for white volunteering overseas. I no longer believe it is appropriate to volunteer overseas unless you have critical, you know, there's a critical emergency happens um, where, where, where certain skills are needed. So definitely after wars, natural disasters, probably even during pandemics, you know, this kind of thing, where there is a shortage of skills and people are invited in to provide that critical aid, which may happen in the, you know, in a few days straight after an event. It could actually be 10, 20 years down the line when it comes to something like trauma. Um, but the the idea that, and a lot of people want to do this, to go over and, and for instance, volunteer in schools in Africa, um, to do, we're almost going over and doing things, assuming, assuming there's a need, which there may not actually be. We're assuming that our way of doing things is better than they would do over there. Most likely, probably not. Um, and it causes all sorts of other damage, let alone you know, going over and volunteering in schools. Schools are educational establishments. And I, when I'm speaking to people, I say to them, well, it, how would you feel if tourists from another country were popping in and out of your children's classes to say hello or to teach them a random topic that they wanted to share? We wouldn't tolerate it. Um, and yet, for some people, they, you know, they want to do that. And I think part of that is culturally, we've been brought up to think it's a good thing to go and do good in the world um but that is um that's us that's the white privilege and white saviorism beliefs that we are continuing to feed so for me I've done a lot of unpacking there are of course still times when it is appropriate and there are ways in which people who are white and pass for white can get involved it's just that now I choose to do it through raising funds and only supporting projects which are um where they partner with the local government and local communities and take the lead. So, for instance, our school that we're building wasn't scheduled to be the next school, but the locals have said that they, the most critical need happened to be the one that we were sponsoring. Um, and even though that that throws a spanner in all our fundraising efforts, we're saying, you know what, we've got to listen to the locals. They are the ones that are on the ground and know what's most critically needed. So it's doing what they want, not what we want. That's important. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I can see how it it could have been overlooked as as something that people think they're trying to help, but actually it can almost do more damage than than not. Yes, yeah, so it can do more damage than good. And so because I was getting asked by so many people about this topic, I do actually have a couple of blog posts around not being white saviors and um, the damage we can do through volunteering overseas. So more than happy to share those with you, Amy, so you can share them with your, your listeners. That'd be fantastic. And you talk about the the white sort of saviorism there. Is it is it also about throwing money at it? Is that Can that also be a hindrance? It depends on the project, to be perfectly honest, you know, um, because it, it all comes back to, I mean, there's lots of different things to consider when we choose who to actually support when it comes to charitable giving. There is no doubt that there is great need. It's a, a lot of it, however, though, is in our mindset. So, you know, it's it's the intention behind the reasons we're giving. 
and allowing that helps shape the decisions we make around what we how much we give and what we give so um it's one of the reasons that a lot of the charities that are you know making a big difference you know they quite often do say just just give us the money it doesn't mean that the big charities are necessarily always the best ones around impact but another thing to be mindful I mean I do hear people talk about um well I don't I want to make sure my money gets to the people on the end on the ground and not into administration and salaries and things whereas I actually believe that that's almost upside down I don't get why we would pay people lots of money to do damage in the world and yet we don't value those who are doing good I actually believe we should be paying people who work for charities social enterprises and are doing credible work and I believe we should pay them well and we should have the systems in place especially for things like distribution and and logistics which is very costly overseas absolutely so impact is your focus yeah yeah definitely and are you waiting for this travel ban to lift? Well, you know, interestingly, you see, last January before the travel ban, on my way to, I was on my way to Cambodia because we built a school out there and I was taking a team out for a trip to Cambodia. On, on the way out on the plane, I was writing my consumption pledge on what I was going to do to minimise my impact on, on the planet. And part of the, one of the questions was around travel, you know, as I was sitting on a plane. Um, and because the type of aid I seem to do does involve overseas travel. Um, so yes and no, um, travel is my number one passion, but I've actually been really surprised at how right now I'm not really that fussed about going overseas. I'm very conscious that I want to make smarter choices. So for instance, rather than going over lots of times, I might go over once a year that will be enough. And I would tag on a number of different activities around that. You know, if I was running a retreat or um, or something to do with the projects I was involved in, but I don't see the need to travel nearly as much. And I certainly, I used to go to conferences in the States all the time. And, oh, I used to just, you know, travel all over the place for the business and no. So I'm looking at cutting travel down a lot, but making smarter choices about the decisions I'm making around that. Brilliant. So, Focusing on impact and the, the lives of others and, of course, the planet. And, and whilst you're doing great work building the schools, you're also managing to clean up the oceans as well. Mm. Where is this taking you? What, what's the, the sort of big vision? You know, for the first time in my life, I don't have that big vision. And I feel so good about it because I would say, particularly the last 10 years of my business, maybe not the two when I was ill, but you know, before I got really quite ill, I was all, you know, I was building communities. It was global domination. It was off I go with podcasts and books and summits and oh, And I, I just found it exhausting. And now I'm in my 50s. I'm 53, 54 in a couple of months. And we're actually gearing up for retirement. Now, retirement for me isn't going to be stopping everything completely. It will be doing slightly less. And even now, I no longer work full time. I, I work four days a week um, and I do take breaks, you know, in terms of weeks off. I, I do like holidays, even if they're not always overseas. So um, I'm leaning in and trusting this journey. For me, it's far more about well, what impact can I have? What really matters to me today? What impact can I have today? As well, as you know, on the day to day basis, as well as further away. Again, I'm just leaning into what 
people are responding to when I'm going out with different offers around, you know, menopause yoga or childless circles or or I've got a, a program that I run around, you know, living a meaningful life. And I'm just leaning in to see what happens without any being attached to the outcomes. And you know what? That's just so liberating because I was exhausted before. So although you have inspired me, you are one of you are one of a few people who have inspired me to do another podcast again. I'll just do it in a way that is not so overwhelming as I did it the last time. So can you give us any teasers about what it's going to be about or is that just have to wait and see? It is going to be about showcasing women over 40 who are doing something meaningful with their lives. And so inspiring, fascinating women and giving them somewhere to share their you know their stories and inspire others that um it's not all downhill of after 40 in fact you know I think especially as we get into the 50s and menopause it's it's that second spring you know culturally here people are scared of menopause or we think that life is over or we're all going downhill but actually in the east older women are revered for their wisdom and what they can contribute and that's what I want to encourage so again I think one of the reasons I used to love hosting a podcast was hearing the conversations and the inspiration that comes from other people's stories and seeing where that goes well I can't wait to to, tuning in to either inspiring fascinating women or revered for wisdom whatever you choose for your title you know who knows Um, but your podcast sounds fantastic and I and I love that that it is recognizing the, the journeys, the experiences, the insights that we bring and and seeing how that can then filter through and become that legacy and a living legacy. At what, uh, you know, you mentioned that before. It's, it's about championing women who want to leave a legacy they're proud of, but also understand and, and recognise that they can see some of that already happening before they go. Totally. And that's a big part of what I work with when, you know, when taking people through the women, it's actually getting them to write their stories and then to rewrite their stories (laughs) to recognise exactly what you've just said, because it's how we think about our experiences. And that's one of the, I talk about the nine perils of meaning. And one of them is how we make sense of the past and the stories that we tell ourselves. And research shows that those that feel a deeper sense of meaning are those that that can make sense of their past and see those strands, those commonalities that give them meaning today. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. When, whenever I'm coaching people and we're talking about things and they've got limiting beliefs, we, we're talking mm. and we, we look at the learnings that have come from those experiences. And then, they're like, oh, I've never thought of it that way because people always yeah. look at the negative outcomes, but they're not looking for the positive learnings. Yes, that's yeah, absolutely. So true. Wow. So what brings you joy right now, Alison? Oh, having fun with my friends. (laughs) I have definitely learned to do more of that. And probably like many others after lockdown and making the most of it. Um, I think I'm very, very lucky. I live in a lovely part of Scotland, right on the beach. So actually, there were elements even during lockdown because I started sea swimming. Um, in the North Sea, which I cannot believe I, oh, I say swimming, dipping. I'm not a, I've never been a, a big fan of being in the sea. So I dip. It's cold, but I do go in and dip and try to get the 90 second benefits that come from cold sea swimming. Um, but what I find really amazing doing that was 
it gave an element of connection through lockdown. Obviously, you had to social distance, but it was classified as a sport. <laughs> that wasn't an organised one at that. So we were able to do it, and it's safer to do, obviously, when there's more than one of you. And the women I met, and, and quite a number of them have become good friends, and it just gave that sense of belonging. But it's just good fun, you know, that camaraderie of women coming together. And most of us are older women, you know, coming together. Um, and that's just been beautiful. So that and just being creative and adventures. That's what I've replaced travel with is adventures. Um, we're going on our first camper van holiday in September. It's the third time we've we've tried to do it because of COVID. And that for me, just I'm so excited. That's what retirement's going to look like for us, hopefully, if I enjoy it, is camper vanning. Well, I, I love that you say that you love having fun on your beach and then you sort of added in on Scotland, in Scotland. In Scotland. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like we all had this picture of this gorgeous beach and then it was Scotland of maybe the greyer skies than the, the bluer ones. But no, I've actually been up. I don't know where whereabouts in Scotland are you? I'm east of Edinburgh. So I'm about okay. 25 minutes on the train east of Edinburgh. So it's just literally beaches from here all the way down to Berwick beautiful yeah it is a fun in fact I, I did that coastline la, uh, last mm. year when I was visiting with my daughter we were looking at universities we went up to St Andrews ah, and we went to Edinburgh oh, wow. and then we came back down to Durham so we did that whole sort of yeah. coastline view and it is stunning it is stunning so uh, I could I guess still getting the shivers thinking of the cold water but it is stunning <laughs> <laughs> yes I can't believe I do it but hey I look forward to it mainly because of the women I go with <laughs> absolutely they have to be great company to to go through that but as you said it's also those benefits of, of the the cold water that it does bring the body as well it's incredible yeah definitely so a joyful life a one with your friends and creating the legacy and being able to inspire fascinating women and bringing them to the forefront is this your legacy you know, thank you so much for saying that in the way you did. I'm going to say yes <laughs> for summing it up beautifully. <laughs> I will take that one. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And that's why you get out of bed every day. Totally, totally. Well, how would people get in contact with you, Alison? Yeah, the best way to find me is on my website, which is alison.com. Really easy. It's got a U in it. So it's A-L-I-S-O-U-N.com. You can find me on Instagram. And um, that's where I mainly hang out, really. Um, and so, yeah, just get in touch. If, yeah, if you want to ask or connect about it with anything that I've shared. So, yeah. Brilliant. Well, any women over there out of 40, Alison is your champion. So if you have any questions and for any men out there who have a, a partner or a sister or a friend or a daughter who is over 40 and you think that they may benefit from reaching out to Alison, then she is your lady. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Amy. And thanks to everybody listening to this. Oh, you're very welcome. Do you have some final words for the audience? Yeah, I think the final word would be to put your hand on your heart, listen to your body and step into being the initiator of your life. Because I think that for me is what distinguishes people who feel life is passing them by and people that make the most. It's about stepping into that journey and being the initiator of change. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. 
I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.